Well, hello and welcome to the London Coronavirus Podcast, the only independent daily podcast on the coronavirus content market. Bear with us, please, while we try to tread the really fine balance between providing positivity and practicality, whilst, of course, we need to appreciate the severity of what is, well, an ongoing nightmare, which is geographically divided, but in some ways united the planet. Uh, On the pod today, it is the weekend. So it was a bit of a relationship special where we talked about the impact of couples perhaps spending 24 hours a day with each other over the course of the next few weeks and months. We had couples on, we had experts and people far more qualified than myself on the podcast to chew through this big issue. Uh, Hopefully we'll run a bit of a series here where we see the effect on single people, elder married couples uh, and plenty more besides. I was joined by a man who once ate the hottest chilli in the world and still lived to tell the tale, Mr James Ware. James, mate sliding into day five of the London Coronavirus podcast. Can you believe it? I can't believe anything right now, Dave. That's my standard (laughs) response when it comes to anything involving beliefs. I'm not sure I believe anything anymore. But I do (laughs) believe that us and all of the listeners in this episode are in for a wavy weekend. We chartered some of the white waters that relationships might be sailing in with the extra pressure that's been put on them, including some top tips from a leading relationship expert on how we can navigate those. And we heard a little more about the Mexican wave of kindness that's going around the world. Yeah, there's some really good stuff, not to mention coronavirus confessions uh, and plenty more besides. Listen, hit us up on social. We're at London CV Podcast. But for now... Enjoy the pod. Well, first of all, it's Saturday. So let's start, James, by talking about the weekend, the end of the week. Now, full disclosure, mate, as you know, and plenty others will as well, I'm a freelance football journalist. Well, I say am at this point, I probably was a freelance football journalist in a, in a kind of previous lifetime, it feels like now. Uh, but I might be again in about 2027, so fingers crossed. So I never went that all in, though, mate, on the Friday feeling, because, well, I used to work on Saturdays and over the weekend, but I know some people, and, well, the majority of people, they base their happiness around it. And I totally understand why, because it's a great marker, isn't it? It's a great marker for, you know, two days of liberty. Uh, but now I am trying to embrace the end of the week and see see Saturday and Sunday as something a little bit different. So uh, the week has kind of melted into the weekend, but I've got I've got two chairs in my flat and I never really sit in one. I call it the other chair because I only sit in one chair. But now I sort of sat in it today and I was like, this is my weekend chair. So I wondered, James, you know, apart from the apart from the hands on the clock, how did you measure where Friday ended and Saturday began in this bizarre, unpredictable, timeless world we now live in? Very pertinent point, Dave. Speaking to you earlier in the weekend chair, I felt more comfortable even (laughs) several miles removed just looking at it. So it marked my weekend and I think marking the weekend is becoming really key, isn't it? Other than just working from home and then not working from home, the common part of the pie chart is you're still very much at home and so it's feeling like something is necessary to mark the weekend and the way that I did that this morning was my girlfriend and I have been cooking eggs most days to kind of enjoy our favorite brunch meal make it feel a bit more homely and we were like oh well because it's for weekend 
why don't we treat ourselves to some poached eggs? That was going to be our weekend marker. So I went in this morning, set myself to poach these eggs, having watched a couple of YouTube videos on egg poaching, as you do, <laughs> top quality televisual content, that. And I set out to poach my eggs. And long story short, it became a bit of a palaver. I ended up, everything at the moment is requiring some degree of improvisation, isn't it? One way or another, you've got to be able to improvise right now. And one of the keys, it turns out, to a premium poached egg within the comforts of your own kitchen is once you've poached them, you need to dry them because they're a little bit soggy from all that poaching power. You want right. to dry them on kitchen towel. Now, kitchen towel right now is probably the second most valuable parchment after a Picasso canvas. So I didn't have any luck getting <laughs> my hands on any of that. So I saw this bread bag lying around that had packaged some fresh bread. And I thought, oh, the bottom half of that looks kind of papery. That can dry off my eggs. Anyway, I got this too close to the fire. It ended up catching on fire on the hobs. So it, it was quite a dramatic first poaching experience. But in the end, despite it looking like I'd kind of burnt a phoenix egg in the corner, there were just ashes and egg on my hobs. Despite that, I did successfully poach some eggs. And not only did it end up being a real weekend marker that we were having deviation from our usual scrambles but also it really struck me that it was something that I've always thought well one day I'd like to learn to properly poach eggs at home rather than just have them in fancy brunch spots on the weekend and so dreams can become reality exactly then, yeah I never would have got around to that I don't think and even if I had I would have resented how long it took how much trial and error was involved <laughs> There were several very valuable <laughs> rationed eggs sacrificed to the cause out there. And I, w I think normally I would have resented all these things and the other things I could have been doing. But instead, I just really enjoyed the challenge and that it was time consuming. And that set me thinking as to what other lockdown learnings I and other people are going to undertake over the next few weeks, months, dare I say years, don't, James. Please don't, mate. I'm already scared. Is it scared. too soon for that? Well, I, I, I just want to make sure that we're fully accurate, Dave. But heaven forbid it actually sure. comes to that. But what other things that people have always wanted to do, have never had time to do, or normally would just be too impatient to do, what are these lockdown learnings going to be for all of us? Yeah, and when you say poached eggs, I mean you talk about poached eggs. I think that's great. That's a that's a start to your Saturday, isn't it? Because for me, the poached egg it's a it's an out and about kind of egg, isn't it? It's not something you do at home. I wouldn't have thought because, like you say, it's time consuming and you've got to learn how to do it in the first place. So, no, James, that's great. It's the small victories in these times. And yeah, I mean lockdown learnings and potential hobbies is definitely something that people are going to have a, a long time to to chew over and eventually master over the next few months. Yeah, it's the extrovert's egg, normally the poached egg, but I've brought it home. And I've also got really into my cafetiere coffee too. That's again something that I've always been an espresso man living at an espresso London pace, but I've had to resort to the cafetiere as the only option I have in at the moment. 
And actually, mm. I'm finding the process of that really soothing and satisfying. I can't promise that these things are going to stick on the other side. It's going to be interesting for us all to see which things we do pick up as new habits that stick and which ones are just going to be discarded with the paper masks. But for the time being, I, I'm really digging that. No, I like it. There's a lot of those things that are ritualistic that are just really calming, aren't they? Really, really simple things. And as you say, when we when we head out the other side of this and we've already, I think, firmly established, James, that post-coronavirus, we're going to call it uh, ACV1, right? The, the year is going to be ACV1 after coronavirus 1. So when we all get to that point, I hope we can look back on the year 2020 and, uh, yeah, just, just take, a few, take a few nice little life lessons from it. Yeah, maybe returning to the simple pleasures is going to be something that we all take out of this experience. And I think I'm going to look back on myself now as a different person to when I'm living in this post-coronavirus age. I've heard lots of people saying that in messages in person this week. It's sort of, I don't know whether I'll ever be the same again, whether I'll be the same person again. And with varying degrees of jest, but there's definitely a truth in that. And today I discovered that my current person, my current self, actually has its own quarantine name, its own lockdown moniker. And this is a meme that's doing the rounds online at the moment. And your quarantine name is formulated by taking, it's a bit like varying iterations of this, right? So it's by taking... An adjective which describes how you feel right now and the last thing that you raided from your snack supplies to munch on. Right. So, my quarantine name at the moment is Mellow, Fel- Mellow Philadelphia. Which <laughs> that is a, that's a mouthful, James. It is, it's a, enough of a mouthful to be a quarantine snack. And it sounds a little bit like it could be some kind of swing compilation album that I think. It sounds like audio entertainment to rival the podcast rather than... Well, mine... Well, okay, so if you're... Well, mine's frustrated Ferrero Rocher, <laughs> which I don't know whether that's... that's a, I was frustrated today. And, you know, you go in the cupboard, there's a little Ferrero Rocher and everything. Yeah, that kind of uh, sums things up at the moment, I think. One to keep an eye on, definitely, James, that. We will uh, maybe trickle, trickle that into the pod over the coming weeks. And we've already spoken about some of the stranger new hobbies that people might be picking up over this upcoming period. And that leads us nicely onto one of our frequent features here on London Coronavirus Podcast. It's Living the Quarren Dream. And our Living the Quarren Dream today is brought to us by Emma who's decided to really pick up a new homely hobby. London Coronavirus Podcast, living the quarantine. Hi everyone, I hope you're all safe and happy. I, my name's Emma and I work in London. I actually work from home day to day, so I'm kind of used to the Monday to Friday 9 to 5. I'm not so used to being at home in the evenings, and I didn't really realise how different that would be for me and how restless I would feel. Um, I kind of started knitting as a child with my nanny at the time. She was a really great knitter. Uh, but I kind of lost touch with it because I, I was actually never very good. And I didn't realise that apart from scarves, I didn't have the tools to make jumpers, etc. 
So yesterday I decided to buy myself a jumper making kit from Will and the Gang, who, by the way, currently have 30% off. Not that I'm paid to promote, just as a heads up. Um, so I bought myself the pattern for this really funky 70s style jumper, which hopefully will arrive in the post in two to three days time. Who knows? Uh, it, it looks like it's going to be quite fun. You kind of choose the colours as you go. Obviously, who knows how it's going to look. You, it's not something I think you can really do online that well. And all the best colours are sold out, so I've gone for a real lottery. But I'm hoping to use that to take up my nights while I watch TV because I'm quite a fidgety person and I kind of need something to do with my hands. Otherwise, I'm just very restless. So I'm hoping that this jumper will give me a sense of purpose and a jumper at the end of my quarantine. That's my foreign dream. I hope you're all well and I hope you keep yourselves occupied. <laughs> That was Emma, and I think uh, yeah, we could all we could all relate to definitely trying to pick up something during the uh, quarantine dream time period. And my mum actually loves loves crochet. We're gonna have a big Mother's Day special, aren't we? Where tomorrow? So uh, yeah, that's something that she's certainly gonna be doing for the next uh, few weeks and months. And I think it's important to look at the potential hobbies as well during this quarantine dream uh, phase of our lives. And I know we were talking off pod, James, about some of the hobbies that we've got that we never fully mastered and. Well, one of mine, to be honest, was surfing, but I think that might one that might be on the uh, coronavirus couch for now. But I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely had, I've always wanted to learn the piano, right? And okay. I think it stems from uh, my sister. My elder sister lives in France, and so I always take the Eurostar to France to visit her. And I don't know whether you've been through St Pancras International recently, but there's, a, there's a, as many train stations do have in in Britain and Europe now has a piano there, and it's so beautiful hearing someone play the piano well as people are like arriving in from Paris and Brussels and going into France. It's just so it's so European, it's so nice, and I've always wanted to learn how to play the piano. A couple of years ago, obviously bought a keyboard. James, you've got to buy all the gear. I bought like the the piano chair, the the stand for the keyboard, a couple of books on how to learn the piano. Looked online for kind of teachers to t- to teach me, but alas, you know, a couple of years later, do I know how to play the piano? No, I don't. So I guess my, my I, I applaud the enthusiasm of people trying to attempt all these new hobbies. But from my and this is a positive podcast, James. So feel free to to jump in here. But from my experience of the world, ninety percent of people don't do what they say they were going to do. Like I still haven't learned to play the piano, written a book, been to Japan. So I don't. How much faith do you have? in the London public cooped up at home, James, to achieve these hobbies and dreams whilst in kind of confined spaces and isolation? Well, I think there's definitely going to be a trail off, isn't there, Dave? I mean, (laughs) people don't really change. Just like quarantine is going to change us, yes, as we mentioned, but maybe not that dramatically. And I very much feel that at this stage, we're still riding into those quarantine resolutions very much like the first few days of January. Like, it, you know, we're still full of hope about how we're suddenly all going to do our yoga instructor exams with the hundreds <laughs> of hours we've been freed up, even though we've never actually done a downward dog. I think that's a situation <laughs> that lots of us are in. But that said, I think normally when we try and do these things, one of the problems is simply that our normal lives interfere And I think the fact that this is very much going to mean that isn't the case, that you have that enforced dedicated time, will definitely make people better at picking up new habits and new hobbies and new things and give them more of a chance. I think the way that I'd phrase it is, like you were saying, when you went for your keyboard, 
you had all the gear, but no idea, as people mm. would say. Well, I think now you've got all the gear and all the in here. And maybe the in here was the missing ingredient and just being nice. confined with your equipment was all that was missing. And actually, the greatest grand piano teacher for you was just being unable to leave the building. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also feel, James, as though I guess there's always... Like, people want to take something positive from this, from coronavirus, basically, don't they? Like, something good has to come out of this. Otherwise, it's just not mm. worth thinking about. So I think mm. that people will be motivated by that. That You can't walk out in a year's time with this just have been a year of negative experiences. You know, hence, in a way, us doing this podcast, right? Like, we're trying to produce, we're trying to take something from what is a thoroughly crap situation globally for everyone. So I think that might act as more fuel in the fire, for people to think, you know, okay, this is the situation at this point. It, it's looking very, very likely that we've got six six months at home, maybe more. So people really want to leave this this time period with something to show for it. And so I think that 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 gives me a little bit more hope that myself and others will uh, will tackle those hobbies that they've always been always been tucked away in the drawer. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone does need any extra motivation. I think what greater could there be than hearing Emma describe her previous nanny as a great knitter? I mean, imagine being able to emerge out of the other side of this and be able to introduce yourself with a phrase like, I'm a great knitter. That would motivate me to pick up any hobby. That's got me inspired. Our next section is the relationship section of this show, which is something that a few people have been calling for and saying that it's going to be very interesting to see how relationships uh, kind of get on during this time period. I've got to say, James, when you WhatsApp me earlier, about half an hour before the show, and said it just said, Dave, introduce relationship section. I did think <laughs> I'm not sh- quite sure I'm the right general to lead us into this particular battle. But but alas, we, we will go on. We ride on. These are uncharted <laughs> exactly. These are uncharted podcast uh, territories. So, um, yeah, at first I'm going to default, if you don't mind, James, to uh, a little WhatsApp message that was doing the rounds in London and presumably beyond uh, about the dilemmas that some people have to face when the prospect of having to coop up with certain people arises. So let me just play out this WhatsApp message and take from it what you will. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you, A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B, B. B. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, like, the the funniest things resonate because there's probably some truth in it, right? Is uh, yeah, very very amusing. That one still tickles uh, me every time. And also, yeah. I had a moment of reflection this afternoon as well, Dave, as we were getting ready for today's relationship special. But coming up later in the show, for our top tip from an expert to help you with one of the difficult parts of this particular time, which we're offering every day here on London Coronavirus Podcast. I was reaching out to relationship experts to see if we could get one to come on the show, which we did. Joe, who's going to be giving some great advice later on in the show. But it's meant that all of the new contacts in my phone 
a relationship coaches. And even when I like <laughs> logged into Facebook briefly to check some news before we started recording, my placed ads are for relationship coaches. <laughs> like to anyone who was just casually scrolling through my phone, I'd look like someone who had hit a real relationship roadblock, like with all these numbers <laughs> in there. But that wasn't even the strangest part of this experience. And one of the real markers in the week for me has been, I began that process. I found this one relationship coach who was reasonably high profile, had been on TV and done this, that and the other. And it listed his number. So I sent him a WhatsApp asking if he'd be kind enough to record something for us. And he got back to me and I kind of saw the name flash on my screen and was like, perfect, we've got one here. And his response just said one sentence and one sentence only, which read, I've actually got the virus. And at first I was completely gobsmacked to see that. And, and then it just really like drove home the fact that like we've been saying, you know, more and more people we know out and about in London seem to have symptoms. And yes, it's anecdotal yeah. and it's not tested, no. but but it was I, an example like of the scale of that this week, that even just from a random cross section of people like that, you're getting a response like that, you know, which a week ago, at least officially, would have seemed relatively unthinkable. Oh, definitely. I mean, as you say, it's it's got to the point now where I mean, we're both Londoners, but I, I can't so I can't speak for every city. But certainly in this is it's got to the point where like yeah, today I got a WhatsApp, I messaged someone to to see how they were, and they were like, oh yeah, I've I've got the virus, been in bed the last five days, and that is increasingly becoming part of life, isn't it? And I, I imagine that's what you will get, even if maybe restrictions are lifted a little bit and, and people out and about and you say, do you want to come to the pub? And someone will say, oh, I've got coronavirus. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's what I see as part of our lives now. And yeah, that's that's the new reality. And, uh, you know, you were talking about friendship groups getting it. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, that is the reality yeah, now. And that's obviously one of the clearer ways that it's really affecting the world of relationships and romance. And it's been in the news a lot this week that because of that social knock-on effect, like you say, which you'd imagine will extend even beyond the current measures that are being put in place, it's preventing people from being able to hold their weddings. I know several people who have already cancelled weddings. I'm sure you're in the same boat too. Yeah, Whether those yeah. were going to be here or abroad, it, it's affecting people like that, as well as the effects of people at home on their own relationships. And before we get to a few clips from couples reflecting on what this time has been like, I wanted to bring us a few of the major news stories on this. And the best one from today is about a man here in the UK who proposed to his girlfriend in an Iceland store. Yep, he'd been planning to propose to her in Reykjavik on a holiday that they had planned for there. That holiday obviously got cancelled. So, in the timeless Iceland pun, he decided to take her to the supermarket instead 
and then proposed to her there. And this photo <laughs> of him on his knee, then by the checkout yeah. tills, has gone viral online. And they're saying how happy they are that it's brought some joy to people at this time. There was a bit in the article where he said, he went in and she didn't know that that was what he was doing. So he was pretending he was looking to pick something up, but actually he was looking for an empty aisle, which I think he meant like an aisle where there were no people, so it was a private moment. It said a lot that when I first read that, it sort of triggered me and I was like, empty aisles, the aisles are all empty. Like, I can't read an article about a supermarket without kind of being on supermarket guard at the moment. But I thought given how much supermarkets seem to have become the public epicenter of the strangeness Mm. of this experience, I thought it was strangely romantic to get engaged in a supermarket right now, even without the Iceland (laughs) backdrop of that story. And also, this has been happening not just in England. In Spain, there was a story this week of a couple who had meticulously planned their wedding, had to cancel it, and decided to just get married instead on their own window, looking out over there and were applauded by their neighbours. There was another story out of London where a couple had had to cancel their their wedding but decided instead to get married at St Pancras Station. Oh, one of my favourite places in London, that, mate. Beautiful. Beautiful spot, St Pancras A a very romantic hub. A hub of romance as much as a transport hub. But they got married there. Um, The Church of England, just for anyone who hasn't read this, is saying that church weddings can still go ahead for the time being, but they're limited to five people, which is the legal minimum. So, you get the bride, the groom, a minister overseeing the ceremony... And two witnesses, which must lead to, I mean, it certainly simplifies that old debate between bride and groom about the guest list, doesn't it? When you just get one (laughs) person each. Bit trickier if you've both got your parents around and siblings, but... It's certainly... Yeah, but it's a it's a whittled-down wedding, isn't it? And I think it, it probably it's a great excuse for a lot of people as well to kind of shun the whole invite-100-people thing and just do what makes them happy and uh, get married with... Uh, yeah, with minimal people there. Very yeah, nice. Just, just get done. I like seeing that, obviously, lots of people cancel their weddings and wait, but I like seeing some of the spontaneous romance that people are bringing out of the situation. I think that there's something really sweet about that. But moving on to what we're really talking about, Dave, today, which is the difficulties for people in relationships suddenly having to spend all of their days together if they're self-isolating at home or just working from home and spending a lot more of their time there. That's what we're really going to today. And this isn't just theoretical that there are going to be problems. One of the UK's top divorce lawyers, Baroness Shackleton of Belgravia. What a title that is. I mean, you could be the top anything with a title like that. Probably probably not from the ghetto. <laughs> with, with a title like that, I mean, it, it sounds worthy of its own novel series already, doesn't it? And I haven't even got to yeah. what she has to say yet. But Baroness Shackleton has said that 
the prediction amongst divorce lawyers is that following self-imposed confinement, it's very likely that the divorce rate will rise. The peak times for divorce normally are after long exposure during the summer holidays and over Christmas. So they're expecting that in even more of a, an extended, exaggerated way after this quarantine period. I'm hoping, personally, that that's also going to be balanced out with kind of the romantic side of this because I don't think suddenly having to spend time at home can necessarily be unromantic either although it might also have some practical difficulties so maybe like we're going to see a weird baby boom kind of nine months after quarantine no, they'll def- they'll def- yeah they'll definitely be that James and I think like clearly it's a challenge for a lot of couples and we're also going to do features here by the way about how single people are going to deal with this and how maybe elderly married couples are but uh, yeah it's, it's a fascinating issue I think what's also interesting is in London we're definitely close to imminent complete lockdown most people are saying that's about a week away maybe two weeks uh, of, of kind of picking who you want to spend your lockdown time with so if you're in a new couple of course it's a fascinating dynamic did you make the call to kind of propel your relationship forward a year two years maybe uh, to spend time with each other so there's a lot of that um, this brings us on nicely to a couple of couples that I know, James, and I picked these guys because despite the divorce, laws, uh, divorce uh, lawyer story and plenty others besides, I believe these are two of the, the most solid couples I know, should we say. So hopefully a good reference point uh, for a bit of positivity and um, yeah, couples that are on very safe ground. You'd hope so because they're both married couples as well. But uh, let, let's kick things off then. Uh, couple number one. My One of my best mates, uh, Mike, who is a scouser who now lives in Melbourne, fell in love with an Aussie girl, lovely Chloe. And yeah, they, they talk, uh, they sent me a WhatsApp clip earlier. They talked about the, yeah, the working from home dynamic, uh, the, the, the space within where they're working, uh, the, different, the difference really between work and life and plenty more besides. And uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's hear from Mike and Chloe. Hi, gents. How's it going? Uh, Michael and Chloe here calling from, from Australia. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having us on. We're loving the pod so far. This is pretty much dominating everybody's life, so it's, it's, it's great to, ha- to hear different people's perspectives on, on things. Um, so, like you said, we're calling in from Melbourne in Australia, where I think the restrictions are probably not quite as severe as, as what the UK is planning out at the moment, but it's getting, I think it's fair to say, it's getting more and more strict by the day. Um, I think comparatively we've got fewer cases, but they're looking to try and contain it and keep it that way. So we're in our first week of working from home together, aren't we? When did you start? Tuesday, first time I've worked from home ever, and the first time we've definitely worked from home um, in the same place. So yeah, it's definitely it's interesting. Yeah, I've, so my my work is very flexible. So I normally work from home one day a week anyway. But um, we've we've never had work from home together. Your your never. workplaces have never afforded that, so it's definitely a new dynamic. We've been together uh, nearly eight, eight years. years now. Married two and a half. Yeah. So um, look, we get on. We like each other. <laughs> we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> but and it's early days so far. I think it's been it's been pretty fun. Like we've quite enjoyed it. It's been novel, but the yeah. idea that this is going to be for the next three or four months, I think, is is a different proposition yeah for sure it is novel at the moment so it's nice to have a a, a new colleague at home to pop in and say hi but um 
Yeah, I think it's definitely important to think it could be for a while. So trying to set up a little bit of structure around it as well so that it works for both of us. Yeah, we've got little routines in place, set up in different rooms during the day so we can work. We've got little rules. If the doors are open, come on in. If it's not, we're in an important meeting or we just need some alone time. Just little things. I think it's been quite important already to make sure that we set time aside to have a bit of fun and not work as well. I've seen, feels like your normal nine to fives bleeding into your leisure time because there's no, no logical point where you switch off and it's not work anymore. So to try and, we've penciled in times for walks, playing games. Um, yeah, it's easy to fall into the trap of, I suppose, getting up later and just um, mulling around and not necessarily having a bit of structure, but we've tried from the start to put a bit of structure in place. We're very lucky we've got a bit of space in our house so we can afford to take a bit of time away from each other, which helps as well. Yeah, I've been... Um... I've been. I've discovered TikTok, the app, he which sure has. <laughs> um, isn't to everyone's taste, but it, a, a bit of fun, and that that's kept it lighthearted for us. If we were still in our one-bedroom flat, I think we'd be ready to kill each other already. Um, but having a, a bit of time apart has definitely helped. Yeah, and we're just trying to get more things like try and get out for walks and runs and that type of thing. Because you do find being in a house all day, you just get a bit more stir crazy. Mm. And then you, you're always going to take that out on each other then. You get yeah. when, when you're around each other all the time. But no, I think, look, so far, so good. Speak to us in a month, yeah. might be a bit different. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a very different story. But I think, yeah, novel and enjoyable so far. But a bit setting ourselves up for the future with it, I think... It might be a worry if this goes on too much longer, then it yeah, might get sure. old. Um, but yeah, look, guys, really, like I say, really enjoying the pod. Keep it going. It's great to hear what other people's perspectives on this whole thing are. So thanks very much for putting it together, and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. I really enjoyed that, uh, James. Uh, thanks very much for Mike and Chloe um, for helping us out there. I really liked uh, Mike saying, we get on, which is just a great, which you'd seem that's like a really, uh, like an obvious thing, but it's just a nice thing to say, isn't it? Like, look, we get on. Uh, and also like the rules, you know, it's not just chaos out there. There's got to be one or two rules. If the door's shut, leave me alone. And I quite, you know, there's, there's got to be a bit of structure, otherwise it's just anarchy. Yeah, I like the little rules. I think also, if you're going to put in rules, one, it seems to make total sense to me to do that, right? So that it's clear. So I thought those were words of wisdom indeed. But I think to keep it lighthearted, which they were also saying was important, I think those rules should have names which sound like Bruce Forsyth quotes. Like, if the door is open, come on in, the way that they expressed it. I think that seems like a balance. You've got a practical rule, but it sounds a little bit like it could be out of a game show. That's like <laughs> sensible couples planning, but also keeping the right tone there. And yeah, I thought what came across really well for me in that one, Dave, was they obviously seem to be thinking about it in a really positive, but also really practical way. And realising that, if it's going to go on for a long time, then that's going to change the nature of that. And, that, you know, they need to be aware of that as it goes on. And that's the same for everyone. But I think seeing these headlines about the divorce rates going up and stuff, it's easy to feel like this is only going to put strain on relationships. Now, of course, like spending lots more time together 
in what's already a stressful situation, I think is going to lead to moments for people and is going to put some pressure on some relationships. But I think there's actually something about this situation which, if you manage it right, like it sounds like those guys are, can actually be a really strengthening thing and actually almost a really, dare I say it, romantic thing in a weird way. Like, for me personally, this week, I moved into my girlfriend's at the start of the week because somebody was living in my flat who I've been chatting with for a bit, but I haven't really been there. And he decided that he needed to start self-isolating at the beginning of the week. And since I hadn't really been around him, it made sense that I didn't necessarily need to do that, but I wasn't going to be able to stay there or following the guidelines I'd have to fully isolate as a member of the same household. And so I moved in to hers and have been staying there all this week. And it's actually been one of the most amazing experiences. And I think that we both felt like we'd lived together at some point when the time felt right but for the time being our setup being close together in London and going between the two of ours was a really good balance and always seemed to work really well but actually Mm. the way that this has like pushed that forwards temporarily and for the time being has been a real eye-opener that actually living together has been even more amazing than I thought it would be when it did happen. Oh, that's awesome, mate. Yeah, that's really cool. And yeah, like it's easy for newspapers to be like, oh, divorce rate this and, and, and whatever. But yeah, to see to see some real life uh, examples of everything going well, that's uh, that's fantastic. Couple number two, James. Yeah, let's do couple number two, right. I think. And that, that is uh, my friend Gigi and Sophia. Gigi is, well, I met both of them uh, ooh, a decade ago, I think. And Gigi is an Italian and Sophia is a Uruguayan girl. And now they live in southwest London. Uh, and they just talk us through very similar stuff about uh, living together in close proximity. So here we go. Let's have a listen to Gigi and Sophia. Hello, everyone. I'm Gigi. I'm from Italy. Hi, I'm Sophia and I'm from Uruguay. Yeah, I'm not sure either if we're ready to the idea of staying 24-7 together for the next, I don't know, hopefully weeks or not month uh, but yeah we'll, we'll try to enjoy as much as we can getting ready catching up on our reading on our netflix try to cook as many tasty italian dishes as possible and perhaps one day having all our friends around um, and yeah trying to talk to our family as much as we can especially our families are in italy probably one of the most effective places so we are feeling a little bit homesick but we will get there and we will be all right we're both going to be working from home, so it's going to be interesting to hearing multiple conversations at the same time. We're both quite loud, so it's going to be fun, I guess, or interesting. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, let's say fun for now. Then if anyone here is hearing any screaming and fighting in either Spanish or Italian around Southwest London, that is, that is us. So don't worry, we love each other, but we, we're just very, very loud. We're going to survive. <laughs> we will be all right. And... Yeah, I mean, we wish everyone to be safe. And and if anyone is in the area or knows anyone who needs any help during this uh, hard time, please let us know. We, we can reach out today. Even you can, yeah, we can help if anyone needs some. We're young and healthy. So, yeah, we're here. And good luck to everyone. Stay safe. Ciao. Adios.
about so that was Gigi and Sophia James and what I liked about that first of all was the cross-pollination with coronavirus kindness like they've been listening to the pod clearly I liked how that was seeping in and if you are in Putney and you need a bit of uh, need a bit of help then Gigi and Sophia are on hand what I, I really liked about that James is just the and it's same from Mike and Chloe really like the appreciation of each other's characteristics and not seeing them as a flaw like even when Sophia said Gigi's really energetic and loud it's not like that was a criticism. It's just that's who he is. And that's that's part of the dynamic, right? That's the seesaw. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also what came across in that one that came across really strongly in the first one too was just like this real sense of awareness about the fact that the situation is complicated suddenly both working from home together if you're not used to it that that's going to take a bit of time to adjust to and there might be some moments which are a bit awkward with that or some teething problems and I think also something that's really apparent at the moment as well which is that this is like a really sensitive time for everyone right I think regardless of just the practical sides of that I think everyone's sort of feeling impacted by this and maybe that makes us at times a little bit sort of more sensitive or whatever. Yeah. And I I thought that applies not just in relationships in the sense of people being partners, but in all of our relationships right now, right? I think is it's just being aware that maybe we're we're all going to be a little bit more sensitive or have our moments more than we might normally do. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And like everyone's, everyone's emotions are positive and negative at this point in time, uh, especially in London, I think are, are really heightened, aren't they? So uh, yeah, everyone's trying to be a bit kinder and that works on a grander scale of community and indeed in like couples and friendships. So yeah, two really positive couples. And I think we've got, we've got enough there to, uh, yeah, we're going to venture out into people that are single and dating and other different kind of relationships as well as the days and weeks go on. As we touched on there, Dave, it's obviously not just going to be flowers and favours living at home together, sharing a cramped space and working from home too for couples who are going to be spending this time together. So we got in touch with leading relationship expert Joe Barnett, one of the many relationship experts now on speed dial on my mobile phone. And (laughs) she was kind enough to send us her top tips for what people can do to make sure that sharing with their partners is as pleasurable as possible. This is Joe Barnett, dating coach and relationship expert. I'm going to share with you my top tips for having a healthy relationship while you're stuck indoors with your loved one. So there's a few things you can do. First of all, it's important to be aware of your self-care. So both of you take time out to do something that grounds you, do some meditation and do some yoga, stretching, so you keep your brain clean and clear and feeling healthy and the same as your body. There are plenty of exercises you can do indoors. Now, you may be with a partner who needs space, um, in which case the best thing is to structure your day. Have a decision where you're going to have your meals together 
and certain activities that you might do together, but that you also have time apart and you're not on top of each other every day. So have that routine. Then things that you can do together, such as playing board games, doing some art, or that might be something you want to do individually. You might take some time to do some reading. Cook your meals together at night, or maybe take turns to cook for each other and plan a special meal. You can hold a movie night and get some popcorn and make it fun. You can make each other cocktails. If you have a bath, run a bath for your loved one, give each other a massage and create a romantic mood. There's so much that you can do if you're in a relationship and it's a time to think about giving, how you can give something to the person you're with who's going to be going through these challenges just as much as you. So stay safe and look after each other. you have it James and it sounds like our couples were were following the advice pretty well yeah absolutely they seem to have ticked most of the boxes there don't they but I thought at the end what Joe said was particularly poignant that as always applies in a relationship but I think especially applies right now it's a time to just see what you can give you know like how, how can you give to that other person especially because as we were saying earlier on tonight's podcast that it was a time where people are going to be and is a time where people are going to be particularly sensitive right next up we've got our coronavirus confession section of the podcast and today we've got a, a lovely a lovely little confession actually I like this one because it's kind of layered it kind of sneaks up on you when you're not particularly uh, expecting it it's from my man Lewis and uh, he's talking about being at the supermarket and that is his coronavirus confession hey it's uh, Lewis Botham and this is my coronavirus confession um so um as like most people in central London at the moment they're uh, going to their Sainsbury's locals or their Tesco's Expresses and see going there and disappointed to see all the shelves and uh, fridges and freezers bare. So um, I tend to to go in and then find whoever's working there, typically the security guard, sort of turning to him or her and and sort of looking at the shelves, looking back at them and, and tutting and just going, animals. And just gradually just trying to build a bit of rapport with them. So... I may ask obscure questions such as, you know, the supply chain, how how that's working out for them. And then after I've built that rapport, then just sort of actually ask them, you know, has there been any sort of fresh deliveries really? Because I could really do with them, you know, some leeks or or some sweet potatoes, those sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, sometimes, most of the time it doesn't amount to anything, but um, that's my confession. A really good one. I think we were both absolutely cracking up at that. Uh, Louis, yeah, that's the, I love the delivery and um, yeah, it's just so human, isn't it? Sort of thinking <laughs> the rest of the world are animals, but also you know seeking your own, uh, yeah, your, your your own little, uh, yeah, trying to get your own stuff on the side. So yeah, what do you think of that? Yeah, James? it just sounded so shifty from the get go. That's what <laughs> yeah, really tickled me. He had a, he <laughs> sounded like a man who needed to confess something before he'd <laughs> even got to that part of it, and. 
I thought I've got to give it to him. But it actually seemed like a very cunning approach. Like, I knew people at one point, a couple of years ago, I was living in China. And I met a guy who was a bit of a hipster out there who had lived in East London at one point. And he had worked with a few friends here. And they would get huge quantities of Yeezys, like Adidas traders. They'd get huge quantities of those, send them back to China, where they are so sought after. And they'd sell them for like five times the going rate. But their approach to buy these things was very much just like approaching the security guards at stores, (laughs) store managers, having a word. Then, you know, they'd find their way to a supply chain and pay them in cash, that kind of thing. And I'm impressed that somebody is being enterprising enough to try to sort of minimise that down onto the scale of a Tesco Express, like taking a kind of broader approach and just making it fit a much smaller enterprise, seizing the initiative. Yeah. No, I, I like it. And I think he definitely he he definitely did sound as though when he'd given the confession, there was like a weight off the shoulders. And that, that's what we're here for on the London Coronavirus podcast. Send us your coronavirus confessions. Although I should say, please stop sending me your quite messed up, <laughs> lurid coronavirus <laughs> confessions. And I, I, I want to say that I've got a fairly high shock threshold. <laughs> but that one I sent you this morning, James, we can't put that on the podcast, guys. So please, if you're going to send us your coronavirus confessions, keep it within the kind of perimeter of legality and what people want to hear. So yeah, by all means, confess, but uh, let's uh, let's let's keep it let's keep it acceptable. Yeah, we have a very limited legal team as part of our production crew. So please save <laughs> us the difficulties. So for the next section of the podcast, we've got the global update. This is where myself, David Windsor and James Ware, we touch base with someone who's living this whole coronavirus nightmare, really, at some section of this lovely planet we live on. And today we've got my friend Phil, who is in Hamburg in northern Germany, although he's got family in Bavaria as well, but he's currently based in the north of Germany. And... um, Phil is a guy that I have known for a long time. We actually lived together during a very hedonistic period of our lives. So it's quite strange, actually, in this clip to hear uh, to hear Phil talking so seriously. But I think Phil gives a real, uh, really quite evocative account of what it's like in Germany right now, where cases are really escalating very quickly. So without further ado, here is Phil on Global Update. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Phil from Hamburg, Germany. Um, The situation here in Germany is pretty dramatic, like we are probably all over the world. We got currently around 20,000 cases and um, 68 people already died due to the virus. Since yesterday we got kind of a lockdown in Bavaria, which is um, basically the Munich area with approximately 10 million people, I guess. Um, Our government said that a complete and very strict national lockdown will depend on this current weekend. They will observe how people behave today and tomorrow. Because until now, um, people still gather in groups outside. They sit together in the beer garden or they even do like outdoor sports in smaller groups. And every day you read in, in our newspaper about groups of 20 to 50 people who do like corona gatherings and parties. And when I currently look outside my window, uh, 
Honestly, I doubt the worst because it's a blue sky, sun is shining, so many ignorant people will act like it's a normal sunny weekend. For me, it's uh, it's unbelievable, and I feel kind of ashamed by these German citizens because, or especially if you then hear about the dramatic numbers and the development, for example, in Italy. Uh, so all in all, the situation here is really tense right now for society as well as for our economy. Um, yeah. Before I end my two cents here, I just wanted to say a big thank you to you, Dave, and your mate for putting up stuff like this. If this podcast only encourages like one single person to stay home, then I think it's already worth it. So keep it up and... I hope to see you soon this year and having a beer with you together in London. So everybody stay safe and healthy. Greetings from Germany. Bye. So that was that was Phil, uh, James, and quite powerful, actually, when, you know, he's observing the behavior of his country like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Only someone that's living there and looking out their window in their Hamburg flat could, could tell you that, right? So it's, it's really interesting to get that first-hand account. Yeah, it's a really tricky point he touched on, isn't it, for the government in this part of the world as they're trying to ramp up their response and figuring out how firm do they have to be with people and it, it certainly sounds from that like they're going to need to be more firm to get people to follow the guidelines and the regulations out there. And that seems, from what I'm hearing, from anyone who, who knows what they're speaking about medically, to be the most important thing right now, at least for the time being. Agreed. That was the global update. So now it's the time where we end the pod on our coronavirus kindness, looking at some of the more positive things which are coming out of this sorry situation. And we're not the only ones monitoring this, of course. Many news outlets are too. And I was particularly touched today by an article that was describing this craze which had previously been termed caremongering instead of scaremongering caremongering was a new word that's come out of Canada in the past week or two but I was particularly touched by an article today that said that this coronavirus kindness is like an emotional Mexican wave going around the world so this is like our little home wave generator and it may only be like more of a splash in the bath but we're hoping that it sends that coronavirus kindness a little bit further and you've had a contribution today on this from a friend of yours haven't you Dave? Yeah absolutely I think everyone in London is trying to mobilise and trying to do what they can but there's, it's quite tricky because there's there's a lot of mixed messages there's a lot of different groups out there and it's hard to know where to kind of place your energy to help out so Emma started something that will really uh, is doing a lot of good in a lot of London boroughs and I'll let Emma take it away and let you know what she's doing why and how to help out if you're in London and you want to chip in. <laughs> Hi, 
Hi, my name's Emma. I live in London and I was out in my local Sainsbury's last week and I saw a lot of very elderly and vulnerable people doing their shopping when really it felt like they should have been self-isolating. So I set up a Facebook group that initially was London-wide because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, And it was a bit of a case of trial and error. And then that London-wide group... um, divvied out into a Facebook group for Westminster, which is my local borough. And then that got siphoned off into a Pimlico-specific group, which then had its own WhatsApp. And even that was quite overwhelming. So we've now uh, subdivided again into wards. So we all look after a certain amount of streets on the grid and there are representatives in each ward who look after specific tasks. So everybody flyers physically door to door, which seems to be the main way of finding the demand uh, because we have a huge supply and a huge number of eager volunteers who will want to help. But finding people who uh, actually need our help has proved a lot more tricky. So flyering door to door, I highly recommend as the... Uh, first thing you should do, there are templates online that you can print off and fill in your details um, that just say your name and your number and the kind of tasks that you're willing to help with. Uh, I also recommend uh, printing off a poster form of this and putting them up in your uh, local supermarket pin boards, uh, notice boards. Um, I would have said libraries and maybe uh, cafes, but I think those are all going into lockdown fairly soon. So supermarkets. uh, And then me personally, I am pharmacy queen. So I went round to all the pharmacies in my ward and I gave them my number and I became the point person for pharmacies because they were getting a lot of calls from their patients saying, you know, we need to collect our prescription, but we can't get to it because we're self-isolating so then the pharmacy now call me and if I can do the run I will just pick up that prescription uh, with gloves and a mask on and deliver the prescription leave it outside the house ring the bell say that it's outside and make sure that uh, that's communicated but I don't uh, see the person or touch the person or go into the house at all Um, and then if I can't make the run I post uh, the the job in inverted commas into the ward group and uh, ask that somebody else confirms that they're able to do the job instead. Um, most uh, Facebook groups now are borough specific. If you're in London, uh, it's the COVID nineteen mutual aid support network, and a lot of those groups have set up spreadsheets. And there's really some amazingly talented people in each group who are mobilizing and are very good at admin. So um, don't despair, keep digging, find the people who are at the center of the organizational uh, skills of each ward. And I just hope with time, there'll be a little bit more top down support from councils or government or local authorities who can help us mobilize as volunteers. Because I found that the uh, demand side of things is very tricky. Um, 
and even some of the more vulnerable people that I've seen in the street and I've offered my number just as a in case thing they've gone oh no I don't I don't want to do that I like my daily walk so I do worry that some people aren't taking it that seriously uh, and I really want to make sure that those people are protected um anyway good luck everybody stick together one positive from this has been an amazing community spirit uh that has come out of this and I hope that we can long continue the same um same mood after uh we're allowed to live our lives again um thanks a lot good luck bye Amen to that, James, eh? Absolutely. Couldn't have found a better sentiment to end the show on if we tried. And really lovely to hear there about people, again, just putting whatever skills they have to use and how much of an impact that can make and the spirit that's coming out of it. Oh, I agree. Right, to end things today on the London Coronavirus podcast. Well, we're going to end things uh, these days with a, a little quote at the end of each podcast. And I was going to actually do something from Gary V, uh, James, but then something else popped up that uh, I thought was was quite good and obviously aimed at us in general, I think, which is, it was on Twitter from someone called Nicola. I can't pronounce your surname, sorry. Uh, but it was this. I know this time of self-isolation is hard and scary for people, but however bad you're feeling, please, please, don't consider starting your own podcast. <laughs> Straight men under the age of 35 are particularly vulnerable to this and we all need to be vigilant of the dangers. Well, James, there's a couple of straight men under the age of 35. Uh, do we have a message for Nicola? I think that we're going to keep on keeping on, Dave. Yeah, I'll give you my message to Nicola after the pod is ended. Okay, see you tomorrow. Bye.